Hello and welcome to the Inquisitive Tea Psychology Podcast, where we intend to provide you with educational and well-researched information on psychology and mental health topics to help you be educated, overcome life's challenges, and improve your overall quality of life. I am your host and the writer of the show, Medicine. The topic for today is men and mental health. To discuss men and mental health, it is necessary to first define stigma, which serves as a significant barrier to the treatment of various mental illnesses in men. Let's talk about stigma classified into two types, public and self-stigma. The public stigma is the perception of others that the mentally ill person is socially undesirable. Individuals who have been stigmatized may internalize perceived prejudices and develop negative feelings about themselves. Self-stigma, on the other hand, is the result of this process. Stigma has emerged as a significant impediment to treating depression and other mental illnesses. Stigma is linked to gender and race. Males and African Americans have higher levels of self-stigma than females and Caucasians among depressed patients. In both genders and races, perceived stigma and self-stigma influence willingness to seek help. It has also been found that African Americans are less optimistic about mental health treatments than Caucasians. In terms of self-stigma, toxic masculinity such as statements like boys don't cry contributes to the internal stigma that men may hold against themselves. Masculinity as defined by most Western societies is characterized by stoic endurance of suffering, self-reliance, and a refusal to seek help. This gender role is difficult to change because it is learned early in life and later reinforced by experiences such as military service. However, as previously stated, the effect of gender role on resistance to seeking help is mediated, at least in part, by self-stigma, in that people with mental illnesses believe they are inferior or weaklings for needing treatment. Men are more stigmatized than women when it comes to seeking help. According to the findings of one study, the relationship between perceived stigma and self-stigma exists in both genders, but it is stronger in men. According to researchers, males are expected to express quote-unquote feminine and weak emotions, such as helplessness, worry, and insecurity, all of which are associated with anxiety and depression. Anger is tolerated more, though it is not welcomed in men. Fear and helplessness 
which are associated with anxiety and depression, are more prevalent in women. However, some argue that these feelings rules give men and women few options for expressing their distress, because open displays of anxiety and depression are generally frowned upon. Men may attempt to conceal, remove, shorten, or deflect such feelings. Under the guise of relative acceptability, drinking achieves this goal. For these reasons, some consider substance abuse to be a male version of depression, or a gender equivalent expression of depression. Both stem from the same underlying feelings, with one allowing for direct expression, which is externalized. And the other, allowing for indirect expression, which is internalized. As evidence, low-level jobs cause more psychological distress in women, and more drinking in men. As a result, the same troubling circumstances can result in different disorders in men and women. According to some research. Even when they are distressed, most men do not seek mental health services, leaving them vulnerable to a variety of negative mental health issues such as depression, anxiety, and drug and alcohol abuse. One widely cited explanation for this underuse of mental health services is that men may perceive these services to be in conflict. With traditional Western male gender roles, and thus avoid them in order to avoid appearing weak or unmanly. Western culture expects men to be strong, in control of their emotions and problems, and capable of competently dealing with life stressors and without the need for assistance. As a result, even in the face of severe distress. Men may avoid seeking help. Researchers suggest that patients and their families will understand that seeking help is not a sign of weakness if the family members are educated about mental illness, particularly depression. This approach takes more time and effort than simply prescribing medications, but it has a better chance of. Long-term success, because it improves the patient's understanding. Of course, it's also worth noting that studies examining the direct or zero-order relationships between masculinity, self-stigma, help-seeking attitudes, and other variables have yielded valuable insights. The relationships between these variables, however, are complex. Multifaceted models based on structural equations are a good way to improve our understanding of this complexity. So, what are some typical risk factors of mental illnesses in men? Employment and occupational issues are two of the most common risk factors in men regarding mental health diagnoses and issues. According to research, unemployment can be a chronic 
stressor, whereas being laid off or made redundant can be an acute stressor for men. Numerous studies have found that unemployment has a greater impact on men's mental health than on women's. A 2009 meta-analysis of data from 26 predominantly Western countries between 1963 and 2004 discovered, for example, that the effect of unemployment on mental health was significantly stronger for men than for women. Similarly, a 1994 study of adults aged 25 to 64 years from the Catalonia region of Spain found that unemployment had nearly twice the effect on men's self-reported mental health as it did on women. This gender disparity may be due to the fact that work has traditionally been the domain from which a man derives his self-identity, self-esteem, and self-worth. Work also provides men with status, income, and resources that they can use to support themselves and their families. As a result, work domain rapture and discontinuity can cause significant psychosocial stress as well as severe financial strain. Indeed, one study discovered that job insecurity and conflict caused by competing family and work responsibilities were risk factors for depression. Moderate levels of job strain, on the other hand, were found to be a protective factor against the development of depression in men, indicating the role of work in mental health promotion. Job insecurity as well as levels of danger in the workplace appear to be linked to poor mental health. Recent research, for example, discovered that male-dominated industries in economic precarity, such as coal mining and commercial fishing, have high rates of suicide. Over the last 30 years, these industries have also seen the greatest increase in suicide. Conversely, more gender-balanced growth industries, such as white-collar occupations, have the lowest suicide rate and have seen the greatest decrease in suicide over the last 30 years. Women are more vulnerable to stress than men, but some evidence suggests that men may be more vulnerable to job-related stress. Furthermore, women may use more effective coping strategies, particularly for interpersonal stress. Females are more likely than males across multiple animal species and many human societies to seek social support, particularly social support from other females in response to stress. Women seek more support, receive more, and are more satisfied with the support they receive. They also provide support more frequently and are more effective in providing support than men. Divorce has a negative impact on men's mental health for a variety of reasons, and this is another typical risk factor. One important factor is 
a lack of social support, and emotional connection. According to one study, 19% of divorced or separated men reported a drop in social support compared to 11% of women. This is consistent with sociological research indicating that women have larger family circles and rely on whom they can rely after a divorce, whereas men rely primarily on their partner and close family or friends for emotional support. As a result, the loss of a partner as well as any children resulting from the relationship can be especially difficult. On the other hand, sexual abuse is more common in girls, while physical abuse is more common in boys. According to research, boys and girls also react differently to child abuse. Traditional mental health symptoms such as suicidal ideation and low self-esteem are more common in abused girls, often leading to self-harm and disordered eating. Traditional mental health assessments can identify these symptoms, leading to a targeted treatment and interventions. Abused boys, on the other hand, are more likely to exhibit a constellation of behaviors that may be more difficult to classify psychiatrically, such as delinquency, disruptive behavior, school dropout, binge drinking, and risk-taking. These quote-unquote externalizing behaviors are frequently regarded as character flaws rather than mental health issues. This means that negative thoughts and behaviors in men and boys are frequently labeled as social problems rather than mental health issues, resulting in a punitive rather than psychiatric response. Many studies from around the world show that men underutilize mental health services when compared to women. In North America, women are roughly twice as likely as men to seek mental health treatment. Similarly, men are 11% less likely than women to consult a psychiatrist and 18% less likely to consult other mental health professionals in Australia. Other developed countries have discovered similar results. The most common explanation by the researchers for men's low service utilization rates revolves around masculine gender stereotypes. However, the common interpretation that men's lack of service engagement is due to their stubbornness is only part of a much more complex picture and can be interpreted as victim blaming, ignoring the role of social determinants and the cultural climate, as well as any potential problems in the existing mental health system. Men's perspectives on mental health and seeking help, for example, are informed by a larger cultural discourse that influences their experiences and decisions. Parenting, education, popular culture, and the media all influence our perceptions of masculinity. 
Some research suggests that societal sympathy is especially lacking for men with mental health issues, a phenomenon coined by Stanford University professor Philip Simbardo, quote unquote, empathy gap. For example, a content analysis of Canadian newspaper articles from 2010 to 2011 discovered that the media portrays women with mental illness much more sympathetically than men with mental illness. A similar study discovered that rather than encouraging men to seek help, the media criticized them for remaining silent about their depression. This suggests that the other action is required. Men's reluctance to seek help is well established in relation to social gender norms. However, the impact of these social norms on healthcare providers has received far less attention. Some researchers argue that when treating a man or a woman, healthcare providers, as well as health policymakers, will invariably be influenced by gender norms and unconscious gender biases. There is currently little research on gender biases affecting men in psychiatric clinics. Having said that, numerous studies show that traditional notions of masculinity are institutionalized in the larger medical system. A qualitative study discovered that healthcare providers frequently encourage quote-unquote stoic masculinity among male cancer patients. According to other research, physicians spent significantly less time with men than with women during health visits, and men are often given fewer and briefer explanations. In the field of mental health, social gender norms may lead to professionals being less likely to look for emotional or psychological distress in men. According to some studies, healthcare providers are less likely to diagnose mental illness in men than in women, and they are also less likely to act on mental illness in men once it is detected. Similarly, a qualitative study from Toronto discovered that suicidal men's decision to use alcohol, drugs, and sex in response to mental health issues was influenced by healthcare providers' dismissive and intolerant attitudes. Healthcare providers' gendered attitudes, whether implicitly or explicitly communicated, may reinforce some men's beliefs that mental health services are not appropriate for them. They may also exacerbate and unintentionally validate men's tendency in clinical settings to downplay or minimize the severity of mental health symptoms. All of this has led some academics to argue that mental health services are inherently quote-unquote feminized because they prioritize factors like talk, emotional vulnerability, and in-depth self-disclosure as the core aspects of healing, all allegedly feminine traits. Some argue that this is due to a predominantly female workforce 
According to the U.S. Department of Labor figures, 68% of psychologists, 82% of social workers, and 88% of psychiatric aides were women. Although some men may prefer to consult with female health professionals, it has been suggested that many men may be especially hesitant to disclose issues to women. This brings up the issue of client and clinician gender matching, which has received little attention in comparison to ethnic matching. Researchers argue that this should be a future research topic. So let's talk about the differences between mental health diagnoses and help-seeking and coping behaviors between men and women. Certain mental health outcomes are significantly more common in men. Recent North American research consistently shows that men account for approximately 75% of all suicides and 75% of all substance use disorder cases. According to Statistics Canada's most recent detailed report, there were 3,890 suicides in 2009, with 2,989 men. It has also been found that men are far more likely than women to develop substance use disorder. According to the survey in Canada, 6.4% of men met the threshold for at least one reported SUD, compared to 2.5% of women. Men also have the higher rates of non-cannabis drug abuse, cannabis dependence and abuse, alcohol abuse, or dependence. Men also have significantly higher rates of mental disorders classified as neurodevelopmental disorders. In the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition, According to another study, 14.2% of American boys were diagnosed with ADHD from 2013 to 2015, compared to 6.4% of American girls. Boys are also more likely than girls to be diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. This is also consistent with other studies. In the UK, men have a ASD prevalence of 1.8% compared to 0.2% for women. It has also been found that men are also more likely than women to suffer from disruptive and impulse control disorders. According to research from the United States, the prevalence of impulse control disorders is 9.3% for men and 5.6% for women. Taking all psychological disorders into account, some recent studies show that there are no differences in the rates of psychopathology between men and women. As a result, neither gender has a worse mental health situation than the other. There are, however, gender differences in certain types of psychiatric disorders. What this means is that Women outperform men in internalizing anxiety and depression issues, in which problematic feelings are turned inward against the self. 
This includes both milder and more severe forms of depression, as well as the majority of anxiety disorders, including GAD and phobias. More women than men experience profound feelings of sadness and loss, as well as serious problems with negative self-concept and feelings of guilt, self-blame. Women also have greater loss of energy, motivation, and interest in life than men. They frequently believe that life is hopeless, and they feel helpless to change their circumstances. They frequently have difficulty concentrating as well as sleeping and eating, which can be excessive or insufficient. Greater anxiety means that women are more likely to experience more phobias, fear of specific objects or situations, panic attacks, and also free-floating anxiety states that attach themselves to seemingly random thoughts and situations, according to the American Psychiatric Association. Men, on the other hand, are more likely to exhibit externalizing issues such as substance abuse and antisocial behavior, which are more destructive and problematic to others. Men are more likely than women to consume excessive amounts of alcohol and other drugs, both in quantity and the frequency. They are more likely to have extreme physical reactions to substances such as blackouts or hallucinations. Drugs or alcohol disrupt their lives more frequently, causing problems at work, school, or in the family. Men are more likely to become addicted to a substance, needing to use more and more to achieve the same result, and to suffer serious psychological or physical consequences from quitting. Greater antisocial behavior includes disorders such as ADHD, hyperactivity disorder, conduct disorder, and defiant disorder in childhood and adolescence, as well as antisocial personality disorder in adulthood. This means that from a young age, males are more likely to be aggressive or antisocial in a variety of areas, including violence against people and animals, property destruction, lying and stealing. As a result, males are more likely to struggle with forming close, lasting relationships according to the American Psychiatric Association. Women also have higher levels of emotional reliance and empathy than men, which is consistent with the division of the public and private spheres. Some researchers suggest that extreme independence and low empathy increase externalizing problems such as antisocial behavior. Some evidence suggests that gender differences in connectiveness and autonomy contribute to differences in internalizing and externalizing problems. Given the differences mentioned, men and women have different coping strategies for stressful events and circumstances. Men respond to stressors more stoically and less expressively 
than women. Men are more likely to try to control the problem, accept the problem, avoid thinking about it, and engage in problem-solving efforts. Women are more likely to pray, seek social support, express their emotions, and try to distract themselves. Overall, problem-focused coping strategies that attempt to control the stressful situation and reflect a high sense of mastery are associated with lower depression and may explain why men have lower rates of depression. On the other hand, different strategies, however, are effective for different types of problems. In general, strategies that keep partners engaged are more effective for dealing with interpersonal issues. Coping mechanisms that allow distancing or devaluation of the problem are most helpful for impersonal problems, like those with the occupation issues. In this sense, women's typical coping techniques help them deal with relationship problems, whereas men's techniques help them deal with work problems. It can be implied that coping flexibility may be the most effective strategy of all, allowing both genders to use the most appropriate technique for the specific problem at hand. In short, men's lower rates of mental health care utilization, smaller and less diverse social networks, and lower possibility to disclose feelings to friends, family, and healthcare providers may predispose them to externalizing distress, typically aggression, violence, alcohol, or drug abuse. Furthermore, some researchers have proposed a distant and unrecognized male depressive syndrome that correlates with the older concept of what's called the masked depression. This is based on data indicating that when faced with psychosocial suffering, women act in, whereas men act out. This acting out frequently includes excessive alcohol and drug use, reckless risk-taking, poor impulse control, and increased anger and irritability. Again, in comparison to crying or talking, these behaviors of acting out are more consistent with dominant notions of masculinity. According to some, these behaviors are depressive equivalents, masking an underlying sadness, loneliness, and alienation that reaches pathological proportions in the effective men. Men are also less likely than women to adhere and follow the medical regimes. Studies also show that women are more likely to attempt suicide than men, and men are actually more likely to succeed in their suicide attempts. It is also argued that symptoms of acting out are not included in the standardized diagnostic or measurement criteria for depression and anxiety. This could lead to inaccurately low prevalence rates as well as a disproportionate number of male false negatives. This could explain 
why men have lower rates of common mental health disorders, but higher rates of substance abuse and antisocial personality disorders. The risk of misclassification may be exacerbated by the comorbidity issues, which are common among psychiatric conditions. In communities where alcohol and drug use are culturally prohibited, the gender gap in reporting depressive symptoms narrows. In fact, studies that include acting out symptoms in depression assessments show that men and women meet depression criteria in roughly equal proportions. The large disparity between men's low rates of depression and high rates of suicide is perhaps the most compelling evidence that epidemiological and diagnostic measures are flawed. Depression is heavily implicated in suicide, accounting for roughly half of all completed suicides. Nonetheless, men commit suicide at a much higher rate than women, despite having significantly lower rates of depression. Because of the hidden nature of men's mental health symptoms, as well as the disparity between low rates of diagnosis and high rates of suicide, some scholars suggest that there is a silent crisis in men's mental health that is not being adequately addressed. To add more to this, some studies have found that there was no significant differences in the statistics of men and women seeking mental health treatments. But also, researchers argued that this could be because of the self-reported results due to self-stigma, as evidence show that men have higher completed suicide rates than women. So, what all of this means is that men, for example, are much less likely than women to recognize and report possible symptoms of mood disorders, such as depression, and they judge their symptoms as being less severe. According to psychologists, men tend to downplay the reporting of possible symptoms of mood disorders, possibly because such symptoms contradict dominant notions of masculinity. Given that the majority of the measures of depression and anxiety rely on self-reported severity skills, gender differences in expression may influence both the reported incidence and prevalence. Hence, it is recommended that researchers, policymakers, and clinicians must all question the validity of the current measurement tools for detecting symptoms in the same way that they do for men and women, and focus on what factors may be especially relevant to men's experiences. Although gender is a non-malleable variable, and thus not susceptible to policy interventions, if it is discovered to interact with the other predictors of service use, it may imply that policymakers must employ different strategies to encourage utilization among men and women. The good news is that research findings suggest targeting men's feelings about their depression 
and other mental health problems, maybe a more effective approach to changing help-seeking attitudes than directly changing those attitudes. Self-stigmatization is more likely to be intervenable than public stigma or traditional gender roles. Furthermore, the inhibiting effect of traditional masculine gender norms on help-seeking can be overcome if depressed men believe they have established a genuine connection, leading to mutual understanding with a healthcare professional. Another controlled studies found that self-stigma and psychosocial factors like hope and self-confidence were negatively associated, implying that men were less likely to feel confident and judgmental of themselves and their treatment-seeking behaviors as a result of being stigmatized for their mental illnesses. So, anti-stigma interventions that focus on individual disorders rather than mental illness in general are more likely to be successful. Instead of criticizing men for not seeking help, suggestions for improving men's mental health can focus on stigma and encouraging and educating men. Having a clear need for mental health care and having poor self-rated mental health had a greater impact on predicting service use in men than in women. So it is concluded that strategies to improve access to mental health services for minority disadvantaged populations should take gender differences in predictors of use into account. Combating self-stigma, public stigma, harmful externalized behaviors, and unhelpful social discourse, such as the traditional idea of masculinity in dealing with emotions for men, is a difficult task. If you are dealing with mental illnesses and are in an environment where you are stigmatized because of your mental health problems, know that you are not your mental health problems and there is no reason to be ashamed of seeking help when it is needed. Visit helpful online resources, seek out therapists who specialize in men's mental health, join mental health support groups for men, send emails, try out self-care activities, do quick body scan meditations, open up to a few friends. These are some of the ways that you can cope with your mental health issues. When you focus on your individual needs to combat your own internal issues, that shows that seeking help is a strength and not a weakness in order to become happier, kinder, and more loving to yourself and to others. You can find links to each of the online resources that you may find helpful, so check out the description as well. This brings an end to our podcast episode this week. What did you think about this podcast episode? What information do you know regarding this topic that you would like to share with us? We would love to learn and know. Let me and others know in the comments section below and or through email. As always, the information in this podcast is intended to supplement rather than substitute for the advice of licensed mental health care professionals. The mission we have here is for you to learn, cultivate better mental health, 
well-being and be curious. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please leave a comment or email us at inquisitivetea at yahoo.com. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for listening. I hope you continue to be inquisitive, and I'll see you next week.